I'm going to, <coughs> for the second time in the two days, I'm going to change the subject that <coughs> really I was supposed to speak about that was advertised. I might say I don't know if I <coughs> I'm doing the right thing, but uh, we had we had a seminar this Shabbos in Newark, and I <coughs> I, I, I said a few words in the in the end. And for some reason, it wasn't taped, and there's a request that I should repeat it. So I'm going to I'm going to discuss uh, a subject, an issue. I'm, I'm <coughs> I would like, I'd like to before I even start. It's 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 a it's a very deep issue. It's a very deep it's a very deep sugi. I don't know if I'll if I'll do justice to it, but <coughs> I'll try. So. Therefore, I'm going to, um, how should I say it? The Chavot Chaim says that if the rabbi is, is speaking and someone takes a sefer and looks in the sefer, so the Chavot Chaim says, it's Malbim Pnei Chaveri Barabim. It's Mamish, you're, you're shaming him in, in public. The man is speaking and you're taking out a book and you're advertising, you're showing everybody that you're not interested because he's boring. So when the rabbi is speaking and uh, someone falls asleep, it's also Malbim Pnei Chaveri Barabim, usually. So, I'm as an introduction, I'm saying before, you understand that if anybody falls asleep, I'm not insulted, I deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a, a deep opinion. And a, a but, I'll try. I'll try. After all the introductions, let me start. And maybe, maybe since, since it's going to be something, some, some delicate uh, things, so please... Usually when someone's speaking, you know, certain places you don't interrupt, you don't ask questions. But let's, you know, if you have a question, if you don't understand it, if I don't understand it, so, you know, there should be, I should be, I should be able to try to explain it over again. Chazal tell us a very interesting story that Alexander the Great, who was the origin, the first king, of Greek, of Greek, um, really, he's the one who built the origin of Greek civilization, and he conquered the world, Yovan, and everyone knows that Yovan is connected to Hanukkah. Alexander the Great was conquering the whole world, and he went out to conquer Yerushalayim. And Shimon HaTzadik, who was the Shiori Knesset Hagdoyle was the last of the great assembly, the greatest sage in the world at that time, and more than the greatest sage of the world, he expressed the greatness of the Jewish people. And he went out to greet Alexander. And there's a lot to talk about, but he put on Big Day Koyen Godo, and they walked all night with torches, and just at dawn, Alexander was coming with his soldiers, and Shimon HaTzadik was coming with all the great Jewish sages. And when they saw each other, Chazal tell us, Alexander got off the horse and bowed down to Shimon HaTzadik. And we can imagine that his generals and his soldiers were just <laughs> horrified. And they say, Yehudi. A great king like yourself, a world conqueror, should bow down to this Jew. And he said... <coughs> I don't remember the exact language. It says, 
Whenever I went out to war, whoever I conquered, this was the image of this person that went with me. And therefore, I don't know how to say it, as, as a thanks, whatever it is, I bowed down to him because really his image was make me one, win all my wars and conquer the world. Now, <clears throat> there's something very deep over here. This teaches us the way and the origin, the whole concept of Greek, of, of the Greek monarch, the Greek civilization, which is interests us at this moment. Now, I think you know, I don't know if, I don't know if everyone knows it, that really our Western civilization that we have today, all the concepts of science, music, art, everything, everything, all the Western civilization that we have today originates from the Greeks. From the Yavonim, Chochmas Yavon. Until today, the whole way how dissect and science and physics, everything came from Aristotle and from his, from his students. Even though Greek philosophy is something which is very boring to us today. But the whole concept of Western civilization as, civilization as we know it comes from the Greeks. Now here Chazal is teaching us that it comes from the Greeks with the spirit of the Jewish people. Are you with me? That Shimon HaTzadik was the one, it was his image that helped Alexander conquer the world and introduce to the world Greek civilization. And really, there are many, many things in modern civilization. Why don't you sit down? Huh? Don't be embarrassed, go on. There are many things in modern, in modern civilization that the Jewish people and the Greek civilization a Western civilization have have things have things which are very 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 similar, and that's why, really, Greek civilization, Yovan, the whole concept of Yovan, of Malchus Yovan, the kingdom of Yovan, and deeper than that, modern civilization, that is the true deep enemy of the Jewish people. Why? Because really, they're out to get the same thing. You understand? If, if one person hates another person, like Esav hates Yaakov, that's not the arch enemy of Esav. That's not the arch enemy of Yaakov. Esav wants to kill Yaakov. So he hates Yaakov, but it doesn't compose his whole life. But if Esav and Yaakov are fighting over something which is the center of their life, they're fighting over the same thing to get it, that is the arch enemy. Now, Yovon... Greek civilization, which is described by Chazal as Choshech, as darkness, and all modern civilization, which is, which is a, 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 a darkness, which I, I'll try to explain a little bit this, this evening. And the Jewish people have so much in common, which I'm going to describe. That is why the real enemy of Choshech is Or, and of Or is Choshech. Now, let me just try to bring several examples. Yovon originates from Yefes. Yefes comes from the word of Yofe. Yofiofiso shall Yefes. Now, Yefes and Greek civilization, what was most important is beauty. Beauty. Today in our world, I think everyone knows that every person spends, I would say, 80%, 85% on his budget to beautify his life. Not the essence of life. I don't know what people used to do 200 years ago. But a normal person 200 years ago, what did, he, what did he wear? What did he wear? 
On Sunday, he went to church. He used to put on a bow tie. What did he wear? What did he eat? What did he do? How much of his life was spent on beautifying life? Today, 85% or 90% or 99% of our lives are spending, are spent to beautify our life. You open up a wardrobe of a person today. Any person. <laughs> I know, my Mechten is there. My Mechuten. One of my Mechuten says, his mother, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to suggest anything. Not his mother, his grandmother. His grandmother, I think you told me. Or his mother, I forgot already. Rosh Hashiva, he says, my mother, my grandmother, I forgot. I think it was his mother. He remembers she had a Shabbos dress for 45 years. That was normal. Had a Shabbos dress for 45 years. I don't know how much it cost originally. <laughs> Alright? Maybe, 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 maybe that was beautiful in her eyes. She couldn't, just, she just couldn't, couldn't bear to part from it even for one Shabbos. But today, you understand? <laughs> how much do we spend on clothing ourselves just to clothe ourselves and how much do we spend to beautify ourselves? Baruch Hashem. Alright? When it comes to food, it comes to food, right? Just to beautify our lives. Recreation. All this comes from Yefes. It comes from Yefes. This is modern civilization. Which means, modern civilization teaches you to beautify your life, to beautify what you dress, to beautify what you eat. That life should be beautiful. Enjoyment. The Jewish people, we are used to thinking, aren't very, aren't very interested in these things. But it's not true. It's not, it's not true. Chazal tell us, it's a Pasuk, Mitziyon Michlal Yoifi. Mitziyon Michlal Yoifi. Tziyon encompassed all beauties. And Chazal te- teach us these words, Eser Kavim Yoifim Nitin Lo'ilam. Ten portions of beauty were given to the world. Tesha, not Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim took nine-tenths of the beauty of the world. When you walk into Yerushalayim, Chazal tell us, Binyan heard us, he created, he built a building of marble, and he wanted to smear it with gold. And his gold was not like our gold. His gold was shining like, was shining like the sun. He had a way of extracting all the earthiness out of gold. It was a piece of fire. And the sages told the Chazal, told no, leave it like that, because when you look at it, it looks like the waves. We, and I don't know how even to describe it. We, we have no way to imagine it. The beauty of Yerushalayim. In Pasuk it says in Shir Hashirim, if you want to compliment a beautiful woman, so how do you say, could you imagine, you're as beautiful, you say as beautiful as the sun, beautiful as the moon, you're as beautiful as London, you're as beautiful as, as, as New York, would you say that? Well, I wouldn't say you're beautiful as New York. Alright? There was a compliment, a compliment of a, 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 living, a living person. We have no way to, disc- we have no even to imagine the beauty of Yerushalayim. And Shimon Atzadik, who was the Kohen Godel, the Kohen Godel was dressed like a, like a color, dressed like a bride. The Torah teaches us how, 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 we have no way to, we have no way to imagine it, but Chazal teaches a little bit about how, how, how the, how the big day Kahuna looked like. It was radiant. He had a breastplate, the Choshan, with 12 diamonds. There's no way for us to imagine the most precious stones in the world. Because I'll tell us that, that, that the, the guy sold it. I know, I know that I, I had such a diamond. You'll give me all the money for the world. All the money in the world. It was worth it. 
Now, <coughs> Yushalayim was radiant of beauty. And that was the fight between Yovan and Yushalayim. Because Yovan was claiming, look, if you're looking for reality, if you're looking for holiness, if you're looking for depth, then you go to Yushalayim. If you're looking for beauty, you're looking for enjoyment, you go to Alexandria. What chutzpah does Yushalayim have to take the beauty? The beauty belongs to us. The Jewish people claim, till this very day, that not only is reality and kedusha and depth in the Torah, but if you're looking for a beautiful life, if you're looking to, to enjoy life, to see beauties in life, to see light in life, the only place where there's enjoyment of life, there's beauty in life, is, is, is within the realms of Yiddishkeit, a Jewish home, Jewish understanding, a Pesach, a Shavuos, a Sukkot, learning Torah. We claim not only holiness, mysterious nefesh, but it's, it's beauty. It's a radiant beauty. And I think everyone sitting here many times tasted it. The beauty of, of Yiddishkeit. So this is just one example how, how, I don't know if I, I don't want to talk about it too much. Whatever it is, Western civilization has a lot of beautiful, the whole concept of science, the whole concept of trying to understand what's happening in the world. The Jewish people are the same thing. Seichel, Chochmah. Now, I would like to describe one issue of many issues that the Jewish people, the Torah, and Chochmah Yovon, and the Greek civilization, our modern civilization, has very, uh, an issue very much in common. And it's a very interesting issue. I'm going to try to explain it. By the way, what I mentioned before as an example is also, and also you should try to remember it. We, we don't, we, what we claim, and we have to try to find it. We learn Torah, the sweetness of Torah, the beauty of Torah, the beauty of a mitzvah, the beauty of Jewish life. The beauty of Jewish life. The beauty of Jewish family life. The beauty of, of everything which, is, which, which, which compasses the Torah. We're not talking about the Kedusha of it. Not talking about the eternity of it. Of, the, of not talking about the depth and the reality of Torah. You know how... It's, it's, it's even hard to, to say it. But... <clears throat> if, you, if we were going to describe... To give a certain trait to Hashem is Barach. Kaviyochol. Certain middle. What is the most outstanding middle we can say on HaKadosh Baruch Hu? By the way, I didn't come to this issue yet. This is just as an example. <laughs> the Gemara says, excuse me? Huh? Rachu. Anybody have other suggestions? So I want to tell you Gemara. Because you people, you don't know this because it's a bracha. It's a Shulchan Aruch. We don't use this bracha today. But the Gemara says, Haroye Ilonois Toivis. Ubriyas Toivis. If you see beautiful creations, halachically speaking, if you see a beautiful flower, beautiful scenery, a beautiful person, a beautiful person, there's a special bracha. Baruch HaToshel, Elokeinu Melech O'Ilam, Shekocho Loi Bo'Ilamoy. Now, we don't make this bracha. 
Because the Mishaburah says it has to be very beautiful. And we don't know how to measure very beautiful. But if we could be sure this is something very beautiful, you make a bracha. Shekocha loy ba'ilami. Listen to the words. Shekocha loy, that there's something which is like to him, a reflection of him, ba'ilami. If you would ask me, what reflects Hashem? If I see someone very wise, very strong. If you see something very beautiful, that reflects Hashem. Which means that the middah which is, which is most associated to Hashem is beauty. Why is it like that? <laughs> we, we, I think, we don't, we don't even know what it's all about. When we bench Baruch Hashem Listen to the words. How would you how would you put put the order? What's most important? If you have a piece of bread, chesed, chesed, life, you are hungry. There's something even before the chesed, the chen, bechen. There's no way for us to imagine if bread, if food would be all black and white. We would die. We would die from from monotony, from hunger. The world we live in is so beautiful. We don't even notice it. Just look around in a room. Look. Do you ever look at a breakfast table? Do you ever walk into a, a vegetable market? Just look at. Just look at the colors. Just the tomatoes, the cucumbers, the carrots, the eggplant. Whether you like it or not, just the color, the maroon, the purple, the shape. The potatoes, three kinds of potatoes, four kinds of potatoes, everyone with a different color, with a different shape. The beauty of the world. The beauty of the world. Everything has a shape. Everything has, everything has, has, has substance. Everything has beauty. The whole world is, 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 is a picture, I don't know how to say it, reflects HaKadosh Baruch Hu's beauty. You come to a breakfast table, you're supposed to go, go bananas over the beauty of, of over the chen. Abchaskal Sarna, I heard once said, once spoke about an orange. Did you ever get a present? If you get a present, you understand, someone gives you a, a, a diamond. So, imagine, it's probably a fake diamond. If it be wrapped up in six wrappers, wrapped up and wrapped up and wrapped up, you open, you open, you open, you open up until you finally get the diamond. You know, how, you know that it's precious. Well, my mommy told, t- taught me, that, that vitamin C is very good against colds. And that's why oranges are in the winter, because that's when you catch a cold. Peaches are grow in the summer. That's a summer fruit. But oranges, which is citric acid, which is, which is vitamin C. So Hashem is trying to teach us how precious an orange is. Did you ever see an orange? It's wrapped up in a beautiful gift wrap. Bright orange to protect it. Something precious. You take off that orange wrapping, there's another white wrapping. And then it's all shaped in little, little plachim, how do I say it in English? Little sections. Each one has its own wrapping. And then those little, little, you know, the little kernels. Another wrapping. And you put it into your mouth, and you bite into it, and it spurts into you. There's one, two, three, four wrappings. You know why? It's precious, but the beautiful, the chen, the chen, the chen of an orange. Hashem Kaviochus. And that's the fight between Hashem and the Jewish people. It's an old fight. 
who said to Hashem, Himcha Yofa Rayosin. Hashem says, Hinach Yofa. You're beautiful, you're beautiful, the Jewish people are beautiful, Hashem is beautiful. And yet this comes your people are a bunch of chutzofim. Beauty is by us. Go to the movies, you'll see beauty. What kind of beauty? In Jewish home you have beauty. And that's the fight between Yovan and the Jewish people. That was the original fight. We have to know it, that HaKadosh Baruch wants us to enjoy Yiddishkeit, to see the beauty in Yiddishkeit, the radiance of Yiddishkeit. The sweetness of Yiddishkeit. Now, I'd like to discuss one of the particulars in this issue. As I said before, modern civilization really evolved from Greek civilization. But we don't really mention the Greeks very much. If you go into, if you, you have to be, you have to be extremely mishum, mishum, You have to be extremely bored to take up Greek, Greek philosophy in the university. I mean, if there are people who do it, but you have to be very, very bored. There's one thing that we have today from the Greeks, original from the Greek with its package and everything, is games, sports, the Olympics. The Olympics is something which takes up the whole world gets excited about the Olympics. Even Coca-Cola advertises the Olympics. And Coca-Cola knows, you know, they know how to advertise. It's probably something very, very famous. And the whole concept of Olympics, and the whole stadium, and the cup, and the, and the torch, the whole concept of sports comes from the Greeks. This is something the Greeks gave to the, gave to the world. Now, this whole idea called sports, games, is a mystery. What does this mean? Now, my Rebbe, when I was a little boy, described as follows. Let me, let me quote. This goes back, uh, well, not, not, not 150 years ago, but almost 50 years ago. All right? Mishugoyim. Crazy people. Menem tashmate. Take a rig, a ball, you give it a kick, and a hundred million people go crazy. <laughs> I want to tell you, I was a little boy. I wasn't convinced. I didn't believe it. I just didn't believe it. I don't believe 150 million people are crazy. In those days, I don't know how many people used to watch television, but today, today, it's not like that. A guy gives a kick a ball, you have 100 million people watching and going, going with sugar. So, this has to be some kind of an explanation to rationalize it. You can't tell me that the whole world is taking with sugar. Of course it's with sugar, but to explain what, where the mishugas is. Now really, it's not only the football, it's not only, it's not only, it's not only baseball. It's the whole pattern of life. The whole pattern of life changed in the last 150 years. Now, I, don't, I didn't live 150 years ago. I can't really say witness, but the way I imagine, how did a guy live? I think a person, a human being, he also, he has had his, had, his, had his way of living. But what did a person do? There was no electricity. When did a person get up? He got up with the sun. He got up with the chickens. He had his bread. He had his vegetables. And he went out to work. Until sunset, and he came home, and it was dark, what should he do? He went to sleep. He went to sleep. And that was life. You worked by day, you slept by night, and you ate. Today, you have to be crazy. It's a vicious circle. To work, to eat, and to eat, to work, and work, to eat, and to work, it's crazy. Today, you work to five o'clock, you make some money, you come home, and you start enjoying yourself. You watch television, you go to a theater, you go to a concert. What's the biggest business today in America? The biggest business, fast food. You go out to McDonald's, you have to be crazy to sit at home and eat a piece of bread. 
piece of healthy bread, a couple of vegetables, a piece of meat. You go out to the McDonald's, you eat a hamburger. It's 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 so it's absorbed with, with oil. It's poison. It's it's it's, it's horrible. It doesn't taste good. But you're going out. You're enjoying yourself. In Hebrew, they call it kev. English could call it fun. Wow, what a word, fun. How do you say fun in Hebrew? Huh? There is no word for fun. It wasn't created by Hashem. There's no such word. There are many words that there's no such word in Hebrew. It was created by the sudden. Huh? Russian Kurdish. There's no word. How do you say politics in Hebrew? Politics, yeah. There's no word for politics. This is something which is not God created, I'm telling you. This is created by the Satan himself. There are many other words like that. There is no word for in Hebrew. How do you say fear? You have to be fear. Huh? Yashar is fear? Hogan is fear? You know what fear is? Look, if I'm the bad guy and you're the good guy and I represent a whole city, I'm a policeman. A whole city of women, of children, of honest people. And you're the bad guy. You gotta be fair. You have to make a fair duel. Take out the gun, whoever shoots. You have to be have a fair duel. That's Hogan? That's not Hogan. It's anything besides Hogan. What's Hogan? Hogan means correct. Right. Fear is not right. Fear is not God created. Alright? <laughs> I'm going from issue to issue. Alright, let's come back to our union. Today, all we're interested in is fun. I once asked my, my, my sister when I was a little boy, what do you do in camp? Fun. Fun. What is fun? It's, you know, I don't know what fun is. Do you know what fun is? Now, I'm going to tell you, touch, teach you this evening what fun is all about. What is fun? What is a game all about? Why are we so busy enjoying ourselves? Modern civilization teaches us you have to be crazy. You have to be crazy. You work and you work and you work and you work. For what? To make money? So you made the money. You have a hundred thousand, a thousand thousand, a million dollars, you drop dead. So what? What's the end of it? Enjoy yourself. Spend the money. I always say, what's the difference between American people and other, all the people in the world? I'm an American. I love, I love my country. What's the biggest aver in, in, for an American person? The biggest sin for an American. Should I tell you? Huh? Waste money? No. That's all Americans do is waste money. To live off capital. That's the biggest area. You have to live off profits. To live off your capital. If you live off your capital, I know people. They have a hundred million dollars in the bank without any guzman. If this year didn't make money, and you go asking for a donation, he'll tell you how, how bad his business is. You push it, you give him a handout. The American people don't like money. They don't love money. They're not interested in money. They want to make money. That's all they want is to make the money. They don't need the money. They splash the money. They'll give you the money. They don't need the money. They want to make money. European people like money. American people don't like the money. Who needs money? You people looking at me because you're not Americans. <laughs> Does anybody disagree? Check, am I right? They want to make the money. Who has to? What's the order to have money? Where's the mice if I have money? Gotta make money. You make it, you spend it. Give it away, who cares? I don't know what's happening in my Russia tonight. <laughs> I want to tell you something, it's a true story. I was once in Vizhnitz, in Bnei Brak. I'm telling you, I'm, 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 I was in Bnei Brak, 
and they, and this Monday on, this Monday morning or Thursday morning, this and they were selling dalias. They were selling dalias. You people don't talk about this. This one one shlishes. They were selling it, and the guy says zwei shekel shlishi, and there was an American guy there. There was a yid there at yard site. He says dry. There was an American fellow tourist. He says fear. He says finif zex ach nine cents velaf. Till he said twenty five shekel. The American guy. So the guy said, all right. He wants it so much. Let him have it. And after he, he finished, she said, what I buy? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know what he's buying. He saw this, 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 you know, they're selling something. It's probably worth something. He said, what's the book of He said, you bought, you bought Shlishi. Ah, he can have it. <laughs> I don't need it. <laughs> That's so American. Ah, Gavaldi. You know what This business, come on. Put your bid. You find a letter which you bought. It's a difference what I bought. The guy bought. Action. Money. Now, let me try to explain what this is all about. Why, why today's civilization is so, it's so different. All we're interested in is, is enjoying ourselves. Playing. Playing. Toys. Games. It's all the whole world is games. You watch the movies. What do you see in the movies? Is it true? Is there an object? The worst thing in the world is, 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 is soccer. At least, at least in, in, in America they call baseball. In soccer, that that game I can't stand. You know why? Because he got to get the ball into the goal, right? And he was called a goal. You know what a goal is? What's the goal? <laughs> What's the goal? Where's the goal? <laughs> How could you call it a goal? You know what a goal means? The matara, an objective. Where's the goal? They got the ball. I right, got it. All right, now, now what? <laughs> And they call it a goal. The chutzpah, they call it a goal. Now, I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm asking good questions. I'm going to say terutzim. I'm going to say good terutzim. This is, this is the beauty of humanity. The world, after, after thousands of years of darkness, finally came to, this, to this, this, this light of the civilization, of Greek civilization, Western civilization. Now, let me try to stop a second and go to the other side. How do we describe Torah? Torah. How do you describe Torah? You open a medrash, the first medrash in Bereshis. The medrash starts the Torah, and it's a pasuk. The Torah says, What does the word shashua mean? Shashua means fun, game, enjoyment. You know what the word shashua means? The word. Let's take. Let's 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 dissect the word. Sha she and ayin means vayisha vayisha Hashem el hevel means to point. So what are you pointing at? What are you pointing at? I can point at the wall. Sha shua means I'm pointing at the pointing. I'm pointing at pointing. So what are you pointing at? You're just pointing at pointing at pointing at pointing. You're not pointing at anything. That's called the game. That's called sha shua. And Dovr HaMelech said, Lulei Teroscha Sha'ashuai O Zavarati Ba'onyi. Very interesting way to describe Torah. Torah is a Sha'ashua. Torah is a Chochmah. Torah is wisdom. Torah is reality. That's what Torah is, the reality of the world. The absolute truth of the world. So Torah is called Sha'ashua Shla Kodesh Baruch Hu. Sha'ashua Shal Tzadikim. And this is what I was trying to explain all evening. That you see, that modern civilization, Greek civilization, and the Torah are out to get the same thing, the Shashua, to get that game, that enjoyment.
that, that, that playmate. And here we have to explain what is this all about. Do something objective. Do something with an, with an objective. What, what, why play? So let me try to explain it. <coughs> now, I'm going to explain to you what it means to play a game. And this explanation is not mine. I heard this from, from, from a great Talmud Chochem. And I will, I, will, I will say it. Now, I'm going to add. I'm going to add something. But the Edson word is not mine. And the explanation is as follows. What is the most delicious thing in this world? Besides carrots and apples, but something more delicious than carrots and apples. What is the most delicious thing in this world? Answer. The most delicious thing that you could ever taste is life itself. Life. Could you imagine the most exciting moment of life? If anybody, Chas was drowning. And sometimes when you're drowning, you know, you, you see the end, you know, you see Malachim is grinning at you. And at that moment, when, you, when, when you, your lungs are, 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 are and you, you surface, you give a grasp of air, that's the most delicious thing that there is. There's nothing as delicious. I'm going to describe to you the most delicious moment that you could describe, the most exciting moment. The story is a true story. You know, it's a little, you know, a little bridge, but it's a true story. There was a fellow who went to a doctor, was in pain, etc., etc., he went to a doctor, the doctor said, take a CT, and then he took a tzilum. But kids said, nishgut. Now, I, I'm, I'm not such an old man, but I remember when, when doctors used to keep their mouth shut. I remember, you know, doctor, but today, you know, you, know, you, have, you have a week and seven, a week and three days to live. You know, today they, they tell you everything. They tell. But kids said, he was very sick, doctor said, you're going to die. It's a matter of a few days. A person with a family with ten children, you go, because he comes over, his wife sees something wrong, she, he tell her, shouldn't tell her. It's a, a young fellow goes mishugin, he's walking around, could you imagine such a feeling? And all of a sudden he gets a phone call, Brrr! hello, 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 oh, hi, we're from the hospital, but actually for you there was a mistake, it wasn't your x-ray. Wow, could you imagine a moment, a delicious moment like that? Are you with me? Could they miss him more than delicious just by... Enjoying life. There's nothing as delicious as life. Alright? Can I continue or does anybody want to argue? <laughs> There's nothing as delicious as life. Now I'm going to explain it, which is not my issue. I want to explain why is life so delicious. There's something very deep about it, but this is not the depth of my issue. But let me just try to explain it. The reason why life is so delicious is as follows. Everything is associated to Hashem. When the Messiah Hashem describes life, Messiah Hashem says, "Life." I want to say it in Hebrew, and I'll try to try to translate it. He says, There is nothing that is associated to Hashem as life. Hashem is called Elokim Chaim. Now, the way I, the way, the way I tr- like, tr- try to illustrate it, we know that ultimately everything that has in the world, Hashem keeps every moment. Right? If this, if there's a table here, because Hashem gives him substance every moment. But to the, but to the, but to the, to the, to the eye, to the naked human eye, who doesn't see the absolute truth, we see this table Hashem created and it's standing by itself. You with me? Why is this here? If you look just, just for the natural look, why is this standing here? Because it was here a minute ago. All right. You could store everything from minute to minute. Because everything has its own has, has its own stability. You could put away bread for tomorrow. You could put away water for tomorrow. You could put away oxygen for tomorrow. 
You have an oxygen tank. There's one thing which you cannot store, and that is life. Did you ever see a tank of life? Imagine a doctor making an operation. Sometimes, sometimes you know, there's big problems. You know, so stop the heart for, for an hour. And he'll make the guy dead. And after, after three hours, he finishes the operation. You know, take a tank and bring it back to life. There's no such thing. Which means, if you live this moment, it's not because life is, life is, is, is something which, which has continuation. It comes from Hashem every moment. Excuse me? What you're saying, is a beautiful understanding in this Chazal. People, people don't usually appreciate it like that. But that's absolutely, it's a Gvaldi Kapshat. Because every breath really comes from Hashem. Life comes from Hashem. So since life is associated to Hashem more than anything else, and Hashem is there is nothing as delicious as Hashem is Barach, as the creator of everything, as, as Or Oilam, you are the fountain of life, and you are the fountain of light, and of all beauties, and of all enjoyments. So therefore, life is the most delicious thing in the world. Alright? Anyways, it's something which we could all appreciate. There's nothing as delicious as life. Now, when a person is working, a person is working with an objective. He has an objective. So he doesn't feel, he's not, he's not, his concentration by nature is not on the fact that he's living. He forgets that he's living. He has an objective. When he has no objective, he has no goal, then he feels he's living. Let me try to explain this. Let's go take very, very slowly. First let's, first let's picture the phenomenon. Let's, let's look at the picture. A father goes over to a little Yankala and says, Yankala, do me a favor because it's very, very important to me. Please. You see this ball? I have a reason. I can't explain to you at this moment. Please take the ball and put it next to that wall. Please put it next to that wall. And when it arrives there, then I really need it. It should reach the other wall. And then from that wall to that wall and back. You know, Yankala says, he says, Tati, I took out the garbage this morning. You know, let Shmuluk do it. Am I right? It's a chore and it's hard. But if Yankala is bouncing the ball and Tati didn't ask him, there's no objective He'll bounce once, and twice, and three, and four, and five, and ten, and a hundred, and two hundred, and five hundred. He doesn't get tired. Because he's playing. Because he's playing. Now, what does this mean, playing? And now I'm explaining to you. If Yankala has to get the ball there, because Tati told him to get the ball over there, the objective is to listen to what his Tati says. So there's a, there's a conflict. There's a conflict. He doesn't feel the beauty that he can take the ball, he can kick it, he can throw it, he's living, he has muscles. He doesn't even feel that. He's busy thinking about what his tati asked him. So, that, so, so, you know, so it's not really worth it. Because to do what tati wants, you know, self self it's hard. But if you have no objective, you have no objective whatsoever, then you feel that you're living. You give a kick, you feel you have muscles. I see you don't appreciate it. Let me bring another example. Let me bring another example. Let me bring another example. Uh, let's leave the ball alone. Let me bring another example. Let me bring another example. I think many people here remember Man on the Moon. Remember Man on the Moon? I was a yeshiva bocher. I was a yeshiva bocher. I was an American boy. I lived in America. I'll tell you the truth. I was never, I was never an American patriot. I never, even, I never even got to high school. My father took me out of, took me out of school and sent me, sent me to learn. 
Whatever it was, I was a, but I was an American boy. By nature, I lived in America. And I remember the New York Times first page. Man on moon. I want to tell you, I was proud. I felt good. Man on moon. Because before then, there was a whole, you know, all the write-ups, one, one issue. Who's going to get to the moon first? The space race. The Russians or the Americans? And we made it. No one ever believed it, that Uncle Sam will do it, but he did it. Man on moon, I felt so good and so proud. I want to tell you, could you imagine if America would send a spaceship to the moon to find gold? Imagine, African gold is very expensive, right? And there's no gold in America. You should find there's no gold, Chazal tell us the reason why. But all the gold is in Africa, and the lion's tigers don't let you get to the gold. And you heard there's gold on the, on the moon. So they built a spaceship, and we're going to, 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 they're going to send a spaceship to the moon to get gold for no other objective. And I said in the New York Times, America reached the moon and got the gold. Would I be interested? Who cares? I'm not going to get anything out of the gold. Wouldn't even interest me. What percentage do I get? I wouldn't be interested. Why was I so excited? Because they went to the moon with no objective whatsoever. Just to prove to feel their own metzias, that we're strong and we're wise and we're ahead of the Russians. Just to feel what you are. To feel life. And I, as an American Yankee, who was a yeshiva bacher, <laughs> muscles, what are you getting from the gold? If I cared, if I'd get from the gold, I wouldn't enjoy it. Because I'm not going to get it. Just to feel yourself. Do you play chess? You play chess? Shachmat! Feel good. Why do you feel good? What are you going to get from the shachmat? What's your objective? To feel that you have sechel, to feel that you, you feel your mind, you feel that you're living. When you play, you feel life. And that's why it's so enjoyable to play. That's the whole concept of playing. Now, a little boy loves to play. You know why he loves to play? Because by him, life is still delicious. So you know what the children play with? I don't know about today, but what do we used to play with in Cheder? What do we used to play with in Cheder? With our fingers. I once told this my little man, little Shmulek, I said, Shmulek, Hashem gave you a miracle. You have fingers. Why don't you do in Cheder all day? You'd go crazy. So he plays with his fingers. Because the fingers are still new, he feels, he feels his life, he feels his fingers. Now my fingers are filled, out the Fultzik Yerika fingers, and I don't even need to tell you my fingers. So today I have no games. I have no games. So you have to give a kick to feel that I'm alive. And the older you are, you know, the better it is. So you like to play. So you see it, out the terach, puts on short pants, and goes out and plays baseball with a kid. What's he doing? What's your objective? Duchen, out the terach. I feel that I'm living. I'm young. I have koyach, I have muscles. And imagine you give us, slam the ball. If you say, if you give a slender ball out of the ballpark, you're going to get a thousand dollars. Crazy? I have plenty of money in the bank. I should go, go crazy to put on short pants, give a slender ball for a thousand dollars? Not less than ten thousand dollars. But if it's a game, if it's a game, it's a machai, it's a gishmak. That's what a game means. A game means when you do something without an objective, just to feel that you're living. And that's why people love to watch the movies. I don't know, I know, but my time, I, didn't, I never went to the movies, never. But uh, what television, you know, we used, to, we used to steal, we used to go watch television, you know, when we were little boys, my parents didn't know about it. <laughs> so what did you see there? You see there, you understand, a cowboy, bah, 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 uh, uh. There's no objective of beauty, it's just to feel that you're living, you feel that you feel life. That's why. Now, modern civilization taught us to look for beauties, to look for games, look for recreation. 
Because the objective, listen carefully, the objective is shtusim. To make money to drop dead? What's the objective? How long are you going to live? There is no objective. But if you feel that you're living, at least you can enjoy the, the, the ideas that you're living. Enjoy them. Now, I want to put the other side. Why is the Torah called Hashem's game? I'm saying something so deep. Hashem should forgive me for even saying it. Why does Hashem learn Torah? Why do I learn Torah? What's my objective? Well, today, I don't know. Let's, let, let's leave it today. But when I was a little boy, when I was a 20-year-old boy, why, why did I learn Torah? I want to become a rabbi. I want to become a shishir. I want to become big. I want to become great. I want to know shas. There's an objective. There's a tachlis. Why does Hashem learn Torah? Hashem learns Torah. What is learn Torah? Hashem wants to become a shishir? Hashem doesn't know enough. Kavi Yochel, how to even say the words. Why does Hashem learn Torah? He wants to become a rabbi. In Kabbalah, Hashem should forgive me for these words. Way before there was anything in the world, we're not allowed to talk about that. Hashem should forgive me. Listen to the words. Just listen to the to, to the to the to the to the to the ring to the music of the words without understanding it. I'm sure everyone, when they, you know, when, when we didn't have what to do, we used to think, "What did Hashem do so many years?" <laughs> so it says in Kabbalah's form, before anything, Hashem hoye meshashia ba'atzmoi. These are the words. Hashem's essence, all beauties, Kaviyochel, Kaviyochel, He was with Himself. That's what playing is. Playing means enjoy yourself. You never knew what it means to enjoy yourself. You always means enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your own essence. That's what it means to play. What did Hashem do? Kaviyochel, He enjoyed Himself. Torah is called Shashua. Because Torah is Hashem's understanding. Torah is Hashem's words. Kaviyochel, the Zohar says, Torah The most delicious thing is Torah. Because when you learn Torah, you're really playing. You're enjoying the essence of Hashem. You're enjoying the Makor HaChaim. As we said, life is Hashem. So as I was saying, Western civilization and the Torah are out to get the same thing. The enjoyment of the essence of life. So the Greeks said, enjoy life. Enjoy life. Give a kick the ball. You know you're living because a dead person can't kick. And we say, enjoy life. But the real life, the essence of life, learn Torah. You know when I realized this? I, I visit lately Johannesburg very often. There was two, two, two elderly gentlemen in the middle 70s. They never learned to blood Gemara in their life. Never learned to blood Gemara. El Shemir Shabbos. And they know, you know, they taught them halachas. They're the little Mishnayas once in a while. Also, they never learned to blood Gemara. Now, this audience, this, this, you're not going to, because you, you also never learned to blood Gemara. You never learned to blood Gemara. So there's no way for me to tell you this. Because with, if, if, I, if I would be, if I would have the, the rate of powers as, as, as anybody, for a million hours I can't describe you what it means, chocolate ice cream. Right? You have to taste it. You should know there's nothing as delicious as a blood gemara. And I never realized it until these, these two old elderly gentlemen. The first time, Erlachid, they want a blood gemara. And I said, Sam, I want to teach you blood gemara. He says, ah, it's not for me. It's not for me. So I said, Sam, I want to teach you blood gemara. It's for you. And I started teaching him. 
And he wasn't interested. He pushed, he wasn't interested. It's not for me. I don't know the language. I said, you, you know, you're a businessman. You started, you're not going to stop. Once you get into my clutch, that's it. You are going to learn a lot more. And he started learning. What should I tell you? I, there's no way to describe it. He became, he became, he became pushed crazy. He became a sugar. He goes, he goes in his car. And he keeps on saying, He doesn't even know Hebrew. I just met a man in Israel. He says, Good morning, call the Gvar. Why does he enjoy a blood Gemara that much? You know why? I says to him, Sam, I say, You're going to become a Shishiva? Oh, he's laughing. He's 75 years old. He learned to have blood Gemara all his life. He wants to become a Shishiva? You know what he's doing? He's playing. He's playing. He feels he's living. What is he playing with? Not playing with a bull. Kaviyochel. He he's playing with with, with Hashem's shashua, and he's he's enjoying it. Now, I want to say something very very deep here, and what the the, the, the way to analyze a game. This is not mine, but not, this is something which I, which I want to add, which is already my chiddush. Let me let, let me say something before then. I'm going to ask you a question. This is a very, very interesting question. What is the Yiddish theory of Chinuch? What is the Yiddish theory of Chinuch? The Medrash says, I don't know how, how in America, but where I live, they still do it. They still do it. The first thing you learn to the children is, you learn them, Chumash Vayikra. The Medrash says, why? Yovay Tohoyrim, Yisaskub Atiris. Vayikra describes Karbonis. And Karbonis needs purity. And these pure little children, they should learn Tyrus. So you learn a cheder, Vayikra el Moshe, Hashem called to Moshe, Vaydaber Hashem Elav, Me Oyel Moyet. Anybody know what Oyel Moyet is? All right. Leimor, that's what Hashem said. Odom Amensh, Kiyakov, he will bring korban a sacrifice. Mina Beheva, Mina Boker. And the Rebbe says, children, listen. You take the little animal and you bring it to the Beis Hamikdash and you slaughter it. You take the blood and you spill on the mizbeach. Oh, if I to that Rebbe, if the Yiddle said, Rebbe, what's that all about? What for? The Rebbe doesn't know, his grandfather doesn't know. Why do you teach us little children? What does it mean, teach little children? We call it chinuch. Chinuch means to train. Isn't that train? That's what you train the little, the little child. If you want to teach him Torah, teach him Melchus Shabbos, train him. What does this little pimp and knuckle understand about Carbonus? If you ask a child psychologist, I'm not trying to be sarcastic, he'd say, you people, I'll push it my sugar. And then when they finish eight psukim, they start learning Bereshis. Bereshis in the beginning, Baralakim, Hashem created. The heaven and earth. Everything was pushed in there. Well, alright, so I started, I finally got the translation. It was emptiness and Baruach Elakim. Now you people are rabbits since there's a big Tamir Muhammad. Anybody can tell me, Baruach Elakim, Barachefas Apnehamoin. A child psychologist says, You people are Pashik Mushugoyim. Why do you teach your children this? You go into a secular school, at least at least the normal people, they want to they want to build a character. You remember the Jeffrey the circuit, you remember? Dick and Jane. Up, up, up. Down, down, down. <laughs> remember the name of the dog? What's the dog's name? Come on, spot. <laughs> so you cultivate the character, you teach your children something he has to know because when he becomes fifty years old he has to know what up and down is. He should know, I don't know if he does, but he should know. So you teach him two and two is four, four and four is six, you teach him Luach Kefal, you teach him mathematics. Everything is to, to cultivate the character. 
What does this child have to know? Ruach HaLekim Rechefes HaPnei Even if he's going to be a rabbi, he doesn't have to know that. You want, you want, you want to cultivate him in Judaism? Teach him Hilchus Pesach. Teach him Hilchus Sukkah. Teach him Hilchus Tefillah when he's 13 years old. What's this for? I'm going to tell you the answer, but this is so beautiful and so deep. The answer is, he's a child. He's a child. You're not training him. He has time to be trained. Wait till he's 20 years old. You're not teaching him. He's playing. He's playing. He's playing with Hashem's playmate. He's playing. Yovay Torah, he's Torah, and he's playing with Tyrant. And this play, this game, goes into his neshama. Now here's how I'd like to continue the issue and explain something very beautiful over here. When we play, we really emphasize the concept of life, as, we, as I try to, try to describe as best I can. It's more than that. It's not only you're enjoying life, you're absorbing life. You're absorbing life. Which means like this. If you take a ball, what's the objective of the ball? There is no objective. It's just life. Just the feeling of life. What, how should I say it? What quality of life? No quality. There is no quality. It's just the feeling that you're living. It's, it's emptiness. It's nothing. But it's life. It's pure emptiness. It's nothingness. So when you play, you play a half an hour, you're enjoying a life of emptiness, of nothingness, and you absorb it. You become one piece of emptiness and nothingness. It goes into your neshama. It builds you. You become ancient nothing. The same is true if you play with a tyrant. A little child is learning voracious. What's the objective? There is no objective. He's playing. He's learning what Hashem did the first day, what Hashem did the second day. And he's playing with the world. He feels he's living. Why is he living? Because he's, he's living, he's playing, he's feeling Hashem, the Torah. He absorbs Hashem and once becomes a piece of Hashem. And this is the big mistake that we make. We think that if you do nothing, it's nothing. Let me bring an example. A person like my own self. My own self. I was once walking in Williamsburg. I was already a Yeshiva Bacher. I have an uncle. I, mean, I, can, I can mention his name. Zangazunternech Weinberg. Very famous person. A big, a big Mahsi Betshuva. Huh? And I was walking on Lee Avenue Hooper Street in Williamsburg. And there was a There was a fire. I, don't even, I didn't see any flames, but there was a fire engines with ladders. So what do you do? I stay, you stay and watch. It's a true story. Michael came by. Wow, did he give me? It's Lipanoch and the Bainer. This is, this is 45 years ago. It's, no, not 45 years ago. 40 years ago. It's Lipanoch and the Bainer. Shimshin. Mr. what are you doing? What are you doing? You're wasting your time. So I was, you know, I was just a little embarrassed. You know, even I didn't know. What do you want from me? All right. Whatever it is. But if you would ask me logically, what are you doing? What would I answer? Nothing. Nothing. So what are you doing? Nothing. That's what you're doing. You're doing nothing. You're doing nothing and you're building yourself into one big nothing. That's what you're doing. You're doing nothing. Nothing is not nothing. Nothing is nothing. <laughs> the Chazanish describes 
He talks about, but let's listen to the beautiful words in Hebrew. Zukiyum. Kiyum means the creation of Ephes Hevel. Heder v'toyu. Listen to the words. You can create an Afsius Ephes Heder Hevel v'toyu. And that's the whole world that we live in. The world realized that there's no objective, but at least enjoy life. And that's what they do. They spend time doing nothing. Watching television is nothing. No one's going to say it's something. What's the objective? It's going to make you wise. You're watching the news. So you, you know, there was an earthquake in the Congo. And you see a picture, you understand? That's someone of the earthquake. So what? Nothing. It's interesting. Why is it interesting? Because I'm living. I'm not with Sum Tsam. I'm not close to my, to, my, to my little. I'm living in the big world. So what if the big world? What's the objective? There is no objective, but I'm living. You're not living. You are living. But you're building in yourself an afsias, an emptiness. You're destroying your neshama. And if you don't believe it, it's delicious. It proves it. It, it absorbs deep into you. When you learn Torah, I want to tell you something, you people. I was once in the profession of Rosh Hashiva. Today I have other professions. To make jokes in Shalhevis. But I was a professional Rosh Hashiva, and I had, I was in Israel, American boys. All the parents have one kasha, they're not the parents sitting here, but all the parents just, just two miles out of, out of, out of, out of Borough Park, out of New York, have one kasha. When is my son going to become a rabbi? Right? They all ask me this question. They said he went to Yeshiva, I didn't want to go to, I didn't want to go to Yeshiva, he went to the Yeshiva, he picked to go to Yeshiva, so I'll be safe with it. But what's the objective? So here I see, you know, see, I showed you, you see, there's a big library. So one parent says, a big library? The medical school is also a big library. So you learn eight years and you become, you become a doctor. You know what? I'll give him another two years, but he should become a rabbi. You promise me, you'll get smicha. After two years, the boy didn't get smicha. Crazy thing, he's learning Yavamas. You know what Masechta Yavamas is? That's the most exciting Masechta in Shas. It's a Mishindic exciting Masechta. Yavamas means if a, if, a, if, a, if a man dies, doesn't have children, so his brother has to marry his wife. We don't do it today. You give chalitza today. There's a whole masech, there's a whole, it's, it's many complicated, the hardest masech in Shas. I remember when my, when, when, I, when I was married, my shwager was learned in, I didn't learn in Pondry. I learned Yevomus. I learned Yevomus, but Shmuel Rezovki, it was mamash, the whole house was, 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 was flaming. Then I remember my church, Zangazon, the first time learning Yevomus, I was in, Yevomus, you're learning Yevomus. You don't have to learn Yevomus to become a rabbi. <laughs> Because it's not negate to anything. You have to learn Hilchus Shabbos, you have to learn Yeridei, you have to learn Hilchus Basa V'cholag, you have to learn Hilchus Malicha to become a rabbi or to become a rabbi. But you have to learn Yavamas. So the parent is saying, what is that to learn Yavamas for? It's a, it's a nest. The parent does not have to learn Yavamas. He's learning Yavamas. So you say, you know, he's going to become a rabbi. So after two years, he's still going to become a rabbi. So the parent comes to me and says, when is he become a rabbi? So I say, he's going to become a big rabbi. Become another five years. Become a big rabbi. That's what I tell the parent. What do I tell myself? What is this all about? What's the kid doing? Universities don't work like that. It's to be crazy. To study and to study for what? What's this, Greek philosophy? Without an objective? And the answer is, they're not learning. They're playing. They're playing. But they're playing with Hashem's game. And they're absorbing Hashem. And they sit for 80 years and they kaviyachal, kaviyachal, it's hard to say, play with the Torah, feel the Torah, absorb the Torah, 
and go out of this world one piece of Torah. And since Torah is Hashem, they're full of Kedusha and they blend with Hashem. That's the beauty of this world. And if you're a Greek, or you're an American, or you're a bar parker, then you spend your time playing. What do you play with? So if you're an elephant guy, you play with marbles. When you're a little kid, you don't play with television. Boy, if you play with television, little video games, etc., etc. And you spend 80 years enjoying yourself, playing, absorbing life. Absorbing the emptiness of life, the nothingness of life. And you go out of this world one big nothing. And you blend in with a nothingness which is called... But that's not my issue. That's not my issue. Now, <clears throat> this is something which, 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 which I'd like to, which is very important for us to know. I want to tell you something. When I understood this, this opened my eyes in so many things. Why our children? Where are our children? The Chavetz Chaim. Now, my father's anger is owned by the funeral of the Chavetz Chaim. Chavetz Chaim didn't live a thousand years ago. Chavetz Chaim was just yesterday. We, just, we reached out, we touched the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim says, I remember. Chavetz Chaim says, I remember. Now, when I gave the seminar, I gave this Russian the seminar, which wasn't recorded. Maybe it's better it wouldn't be recorded now or either. And I said, please, my dear people, I'd like to explain to you an issue. And I have no suggestions. Usually I have a suggestion. I have no suggestions. Because this issue is, is it's a bomb. What I'm going to say now, someone, you know, yes, so what should we do? I don't know what to do. I just want to show you a phenomenon. The Chavaz Chaz, I remember that there was a little boy, 14 years old, he knew Shas. He knew Shas. Now I, my name was Pincus, and people call Rabbi Pincus. And I'm wearing a frack, and I'm called a rabbi, and I, I shouldn't tell you this because, you know, it's very embarrassing. My sister's sitting here. I, ne- I never finished Shas. I never my life learned Shas. Now talk about knowing Shas. Little 14-year-old boy, no Shas. He knew Shas thoroughly. And they spoke a shidduch, and he became engaged, and they gave, gave a big nadin, a lot of money, and they found that he was 15. He wasn't 14. I remember they broke the shidduch. A <laughs> 15-year-old boy knows Shas. Of course he knows Shas. Why don't we know Shas? Why don't we know Shas? I can't understand. What's destroying us? And the answer is because we're playing. We don't do anything wrong. I look at myself. I couldn't, for years I couldn't understand you. What's wrong with me? Why don't I, why am I so empty? So I said to myself, you know, he, that rabbi, maybe, maybe he does a virus. But on myself, I don't do, I'm telling you, I don't do a virus. I promise you, I, 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 anyone who wants to come to my house, I live in Ophakim, I give my address, you can look through all my linens, you won't find a television there, I promise you. <laughs> I don't have a hidden t- video in my house. I don't do a virus. So what? what's destroying us? Because we spend 80% of our life with nothing. We don't even feel it's wrong. Just play nothing. You walk down the streets, you see an ambulance, stop, nothing. Could you imagine if the ambulance stops and runs up? You see, I have to wait till the sees who's coming down. But your grandmother doesn't live here. But you feel that you're living. We spend our life with nothing and we become one big hefza of nothing. That's what's destroying us. Our children play marbles all day. Baruch Hashem, they don't do any of they don't watch television, they play marbles all day. And their cup is one big marble. So the question is, what should we do? Take away from marbles? I have no suggestions. I mamish have no suggestions. I have mamish no suggestions. 
But it's just we have to know, we have to understand what's happening. You open a Rambam. What Jewish children used to do? The Rambam says that the children should learn from the morning till the evening. So the question is, why should children study that much? They weren't studying; they were playing. They were playing. That's all children are supposed to do: they were playing. But they were playing with Hashem's toy, playing with the Torah, enjoying the Torah. They were enjoying the Torah, and they were absorbing the Torah. They learned Bereshis, and they learned Noach, and they learned Lech Lecha Hostel with the marble. They they absorbed and they played with every word. They felt that they were living. They were listening to stories. Like, you ever see, you know, you tell, you tell Cinderella, tell a story. People, the children are enthused because they feel they're living. They're not taking out the garbage, they're taking out the garbage. Sending them because it's an objective. So you hear the story about Cinderella, Cinderella, you become one point, one Cinderella. With that mentality. You hear a story about Yosef Atzadik, you become Yosef Atzadik, that's what you become. Now, I just want to make one addition, and with this I'm going to conclude. Really, this drasha is addressed to the men. Just to the men. Because the men really mechuyiv Talmud Torah. But how, how did the women come into this story? So I want to tell you something. It's not so much connected to, 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 to this issue. But I want to tell you something. It's a, it's a, it's a point of Ashkaf which I have. And I think, you know, you ever hear the Gantz Welt is Meshug and Klar? You ever hear that? People say, the whole Welt is crazy. I'm the only one who's normal. So the question is, why they're tying you up? You know, crazy people, they tie up. My, 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 my father used to say this, one buzz bitman deer, why are they tying you up? They should tie up the whole belt. And the answer is, because they don't have enough rope to tie up the whole belt. <laughs> so this is so they tie up me, because I'm the only one that, that, that has enough rope to tie me up. But really, I'm the only known person in the world. That's what all the crazy people say. And I say the same thing. I say, the Gansi belt is Meshuggah and Nishmukhlar. But I want to tell you my Meshuggah, so I want to make, I'll make you also Meshuggah. I believe, many people say this. I think many people sitting here, and many of you attend the seminars, and I have one track mind. And really my issue today is a new, new, new way of, of expressing it, but my, I have one issue in my life. I believe that the, that, that the relationship and the connection that the Jewish people have to Hashem is, is a personal one, it's a relationship, and the most important thing in a relationship, in a marriage, is privacy. There's nothing as important as privacy. You cannot build a family on a park bench. And even if you have a house, right? If all the rooms in the house are, are reeking with people, you cannot build a family. Relationship needs privacy. The only way to have a relationship with Hashem is only with privacy. So if you take your children and your wife and yourself and you go out to the street... You cannot be, have, have this closeness to Hashem. And that's all Judaism is. The concept of God is not something which the Jewish people created. You have to be pretty stupid, you have to be a darn moron to say that this, that, this, that, this, that this table took six million years until it grew out of the ground. You have to be very stupid to say that the computer came from an explosion. And if you have an eye that has 50 billion cells, could you imagine a piece of machine with 50 billion pieces? Who made it? Hashem made it. That's not, that's, not, that's not what the Jewish people taught the world. The Jewish people taught the world you can love Hashem, you can kiss Hashem, you can be close to Hashem. But in its privacy. You can't have two people loving people kissing in the street. Shlomelech says, I wish you'd be like my brother, Hashem. I wish you'd be like my brother. 
A shokha would kiss you in the streets, a little brother kissing in the streets. But today, between husband and wife, it's a private, it's a private affair. When Mashiach will come, then Hashem will be with us in the whole world. But today it's a private affair. It's a base of Mikdash, a base of Medish in a Jewish home. So you cannot worship Hashem, you cannot love Hashem out in the street, because the street is strafe. So what do we do? We take the street, put it, bring it into our house. You have the books, you have the, you have the radio, you have the television, everything. Well, the, you know, people have television, but even a radio. What is the radio? You have someone talking in your house. You have a guy in your house. Where's the privacy? A book, a magazine, a simple magazine. This is the issue which, I, which burns me more than anything else. I believe this is destruction. We lost our privacy with Hashem. The cheder yichud, the cheder yichud of the Jewish home, the cheder yichud of the Yid. All right. And people ask me over and over again, Bishleimah, the boys, Fashteich, what's about the girls? They have a mess of Talmud Torah. And I want to tell you, I think the Ganser Welt is Meshuggah, and Ich bin Klor. Maybe I'm a Shug, the whole Welt is Klor, but I want to tell you my theory. I believe that it's more important for the girls than for the boys. To read a simple magazine, to be, to, to be a member of the library, I believe is worse for a girl than for a boy. Why? Because what, what is it, what's, it's a long issue, I just, you know, I'm, I'm talking already three hours already, so I want to be, it's cut short already. But I want to tell you very clearly, very, 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 very in a nutshell, what, what's the difference between a man and a woman? The woman, the essence of the Jew, you have a yid. He has Yiddish in the Shama, the essence of the yid, and he has quality. He's smart, he knows Torah, he's a Kohen, he's a Levi, he's a Melech. The essence of the Yiddish in the Shama comes from the mother. Alright? If the father is, is a guy. The, mother, the Jew is a Jew, 100% Jew. The essence of the Yiddishkeit comes from the mother. The father gives the quality of Yiddishkeit. The quality of the Yiddishkeit. The father says, Shalom Yasani Isho. I have quality. And the mother says, Shalom Yasani Kiritsoyne. Why do you love your child? I want to ask to Rosh Hashim, why do you love your child? Because he's smart or because he's your child? She says, because he's smart. I say, Rosh Hashim, I, I know your other son. He's not that smart. I know. You love him less? He says, no, you're right. You're right. Hashem loves us because, he, because just the fact that we're his children. Because we're... The essence of the Jew is the mother. The quality of the Jew, the return of the Jew is the mother. The quality of the Jew is the father. Now the father has to build quality. Has to build quality. So he needs all kinds of kalim. He has a shayfer. And he has a lulav. Lulav is a bomb. As a shoifer, the mother doesn't need the shoifer. She's attached to Hashem. The father comes to him and says, you know, <laughs> my dear, you know, you're in the house. I hope you won't be insulted. I heard shoifer. I moved the kids. I covered. So the mother says, I heard a shoifer. That little baby was crying. He was teething. That's a shoifer. I'm attached to the kids. I covered. You waited a year's time for the shoifer. I have a shoifer every day. She says, yeah, but I have tzitzis. What is tzitzis for? If you would ever give birth, you wouldn't need tzitzis. I have tzitzis. What's about tefillin? He says, tefillin. What's tefillin? Tefillin is to tie yourself to Hashem. I'm tied to Hashem. That's the essence of the woman is tied to Hashem. And she doesn't have the kalim. She doesn't have the Because she is the chefzah. She is the bias. So what did Hashem say? Hashem says, take this mother, which is the essence of the connection to Hashem, and lock her up at home. Because she cannot go out in the streets. That's the essence of the Yid. The father, he's out in the street. So after you eat a big Thanksgiving dinner, excuse me for saying it, you take an Alka-Seltzer. So if the man is stupid enough to read a Tom magazine, he can at least learn a black Gemara. But if the mother reads a Tom magazine, and she becomes disattached from Hashem, 
And she's even enjoying herself. And she's playing. And she absorbs the emptiness, the nothingness. That's if there's nothingness. I'm, I'm not saying if there's, if there's schmutz, if there's tumor. That's not. That, that was my issue this, this evening, as you noticed. Where's the Alcazar? So what she's going to do? She has no tire. She has no shaper. She has no feeling. She has no tzitzis. The purity of the Jewish home, the purity of the neshama, the purity of the mind, is much more important for the women than for the men. The men have a turret. At least they go to shul, they have a shape, it's dukhbara ala kishkis. But she is the essence. She's the essence. And that's why she's called bias. She's locked up in the house because what is the house? She's locked up in the house with music. Those little children. You know the difference between the father and the mother? Look how Hashem created His world. It's made a dick. When you, when, you, when you are forming a little child, you're forming a little child. Forming a little child. If the father wants, he can't even nurse the child. Well, today, you know, you give the baby maternal and something else. But in, in the original nature, the mother says, four o'clock in the morning, Mishriki, you get out of bed. There's nothing you can do. And she gets out of the bed and she's, and she's muttering and she's saying, she spills on the child, tell him. And she's diving to the child, this, this baby should be a tzaddik. She gives him the essence of life. Do you ever see a mother in a rocking chair, nursing a child? I, I can't describe it. What is nursing? Because out of her heart comes his life. A Yiddish heart, reading a Time magazine. Crazy. Crazy. Spill the Yiddish heart on the child. The father will teach a child Torah when he's 15 years old, but the essence of the child, the essence... And that's modern civilization. Modern civilization is to absorb one big nothingness, one big emptiness. Enjoy life. What life? What quality of life? The mother is the essence of the Jewish life. What is she doing all day? What is she doing all day? She's not learning, she's playing. She's living with Hashem. She's buttering bread. She's making a Shabbos kugel. She's living with Hashem. And she's diving to Hashem. She, she's attached to Hashem. I think it's enough for tonight. Thank you for listening. Now I finished that.